The Forum at 8 on SAFM. All right, it is eight minutes after eight. Welcome to the Forum at 8 here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Well, uh, talking about unemployment in this country. Statistics released by Stats SA about a week and a bit ago showing that the unemployment rate had gone up to over 25% in this country. In fact, uh, to be exact, it's 25.20% in the first quarter of 2012 from 24.90% in the fourth quarter of 2012. Now, a bit of history, though, because... From 2000 until 2013, South Africa's unemployment rate averaged 25.49%, reaching an all-time high of 31.20. That was back in March of 2003. There was also a record low of 21.90% in December of 2008. This morning, then, talking about uh, unemployment and whether or not there are policy initiatives underway uh, that are responding to this and whether or not policy is able to respond to the big problem of unemployment in this country. Let's talk about that then. Uh, we will, as we always do, take your thoughts on 0891 Let's go to Pretoria then, because in Pretoria we are joined this morning by uh, Minister Ibrahim Patel, is Minister of Economic Development. Minister, good morning to you. Good morning, uh, Tolani, to you and to the listeners. And may I, before we start, just convey my condolences to the family of William Bully. Certainly. As you and everybody at the SABC and we who have been uh, interviewed and have had professional relations with him, he was a journalist of enormous talent and a very kind and courteous person. And I think all of us will miss him. Sure, certainly. Thanks indeed, uh, Minister, for that. All right, then, let's, let's talk about unemployment. Um, there were statistics that were released about a week or so ago, I mentioned, from Stats SA. Firstly, let me get your reaction to that, uh, because a lot of people that I've spoken to are completely worried about what transpired. Tolani, let me start by saying that the story that came out two weeks ago is a mixed story. Uh, the quarterly labor force survey is released every three months by Statistics of Africa. And it's a survey of households, and it asks them the question whether they are working, whether they are unemployed, mm-hmm. or whether they are discouraged from looking for a job. And the broad headlines that's come out of it is that in the first three months of this year, the economy created 44,000 new jobs. But at the same time, a larger number of people entered the labor market because school leavers, uh, university leavers, all enter the labor market, typically in January and February. So we had both a growth in employment in the three months by 44,000 and of unemployment in the three months of 100,000. If you take a longer view of the year as a whole, the four quarters, the economy created just short of 129,000 jobs. And the total number of unemployed also grew by 75,000. So we, we grew about, call it 200,000 jobs for the year as a whole. Hmm. I think what this point to is an enormous challenge. We're a, we're a youthful population. We have large numbers of people entering the labor market every year. And as we argue in the new growth path, the rate of job creation has to be improved. We've got to get to the point where the structural challenges in the economy that inhibit job growth 
hmm. is seriously addressed. Sure. Minister, let me take a broader look again at this unemployment number here, because I'll start back in 2008. In 2008, with, with the financial meltdown, we lost about a million jobs. From the high of 14 million jobs, we lost about a million to obviously 13 million. Now, what has happened is that since then, we've only been able to create about 646,000 jobs. Let's give or take 650,000 jobs. So in essence, we have not even been able to recover the million jobs that we lost in 2008 in this economy. And I'm asking, especially because you've mentioned yourself the new growth path, whether or not the policy initiatives have been able to respond. Because it appears to me that they have not been able to respond. Kolani, let me, let me start by, uh, by recognizing that when we had the uh, global economic uh, recession, it translated immediately into a recession in the local economy. And bear in mind that South Africa is very integrated in the global economy. Our trade to GDP in the BRICS nations is equaled only by China. In other words, we're more trade exposed than Brazil, India or Russia. And what that means for jobs is simply this. When the rest of the world does badly, demand for South African products drop. Right now, there are 38 countries that have not yet recovered from the global economic crisis. In other words, their economies are today still smaller Hmm. than it was before the recession. And it includes large trading partners like the United Kingdom, Holland, Spain, Italy and Portugal. And these are countries that we sell to. When their economies do badly, we are not going to uh, be able to sell at the same rate. And that is one of the reasons why employment is not fully recovered. But let's pick up on that reason, because again, you mentioned China. Um, I, I, I talk about the exports from China almost every morning, and their exports are doing pretty well. What is it that they are doing well, selling to the very same countries uh, whose economies have been affected by the recession that we also are integrated in? Why are their products still going? In other words, their export market is still alive, as it were, as opposed to our export market. Very interesting. Uh, if you look at China uh, between before 2008 and after 2008, it's a very different story. When uh, the global economic crisis hit the Chinese economy in 2008, they immediately ramped up domestic spending. They're investing now very heavily in infrastructure, in expanding healthcare and education, in other words, in finding sources for demand in their own economy. So, historically, China relied on exports as the principal means of drawing uh, people into jobs. Now they're diversifying the economy and you see much greater spending domestically. Hmm. Of course, they've had the advantage that with many, many years of enormous surpluses that they've developed through their export efforts, they had a much greater buffer of savings that they could use to invest in the domestic economy. One of our challenges is our low savings rate. We rely too greatly on importing capital from the rest of the world to finance uh, our investment because the domestic savings rate is not adequate to fuel what we need to do in our own economy. Hmm. It's interesting because, again, uh, around 2008, 2009, and remember the the then finance minister, Trevor Manuel, used to say that uh, now we are benefiting from prudent fiscal policies. We were able to spend quite a bit uh, domestically, even though the downturn was clearly negative at the time. So we, we may, it can be argued that even us, at a time we had that little bit of a buffer. 
Yes, indeed. And we had a mildly stimulatory uh, fiscal policy during that period. But all of these things, I think, ultimately is down to this. Can we, with domestic spending, more than make up for what we lose on the export side? And the answer was no. We, we had uh, China, of course, was a complex story because over this period, over the last three, four years, we've been increasing our level of exports to China. Uh, if you look at iron ore as, as a good example, but also coal exports, it's, it's gone up quite dramatically to China. And that has been something that has assisted in increasing employment. So coming to your earlier question, mm-hmm. are we succeeding? I think without the measures that we've taken, we may well have found ourselves in the same position as the United Kingdom and others, namely to still have an economy that is smaller than before the recession. In fact, our economy has bounced back. We have created 650,000 new jobs, as you've indicated. We've not been able to recover everything that we've lost, but we're making, I think, quite significant progress. In one year, 200,000 new jobs. Mm. Now we need to do, obviously, the difficult part, which is to try to improve the job creation in the private sector. And that is where manufacturing, mining, and agriculture will play an absolutely critical role. Let me quote you from, from uh, the, two, the 2010 speech that you made on the 23rd of November when you were uh, uh, obviously presenting the uh, new growth path. You said that the centerpiece of the new growth path is a massive investment in infrastructure and people through skills development together with smart government and better coordination with the private sector and organized labor so that we can achieve our national goals. I'm just wondering whether, um, do you find that government is able to coordinate policy, or, 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 or do you mention these statements and they end up there? If they are able to coordinate, what are the results? Let me take infrastructure as an example, uh, Kolani. <clears throat> By the time this administration uh, uh, ends its mandate uh, in about April next year, uh, we estimate that infrastructure spending would have been uh, in the region of about one trillion rand. Not money on budget, not money that is intended to be spent, but actual spending on infrastructure. And that would be uh, about double the nominal spending, the RAND spending, that we had in the previous five years. So in this administration, we've recognized that infrastructure is fundamental to long-term growth. You can employ young people and uh, the unemployed through uh, expanded public works programs, through community works programs, and so on. But if you're looking for long-term growth, you've got to lay the basis, the foundation for that. You need ports, roads, rail, uh, you need energy, you need water. And that's where a lot of our investment is going at the moment. We're increasing the rate of investment. And right now, as we stand here, there's about 150,000 people employed in the projects that we monitor through the Presidential Infrastructure Coordinating Commission. I went um, not too long ago to uh, Medupi Power Station, and uh, it employs uh, just short of 15,000 people building one of the world's largest coal-fired power stations. And not very far from there, in Mpumalanga, uh, there is the Kusile Power Station being built. Uh, We've we've completed the Dewup Dam in Limpopo, these are, these are mega projects. They employ large numbers of people in construction, but more importantly, they are deep investment in infrastructure 
that allows mining and manufacturing and agriculture to take off in future. I hear that. But where are the jobs, Minister? And mind you, the target is 5 million over 10 years. How far off are we from the target? Well, let's start with where are the jobs. Uh, As I indicated, in the past 12 months, the economy created 200,000 new jobs. And it's instructive to look at the composition of those jobs by industry. Where are those jobs coming uh, from? And uh, a very significant number of jobs are still coming from the public sector. We want to shift more and more of that to the private sector. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're looking at that. Uh, Manufacturing grew by some uh, 30,000 new jobs in the last 12 months. But the big story for us, the big positive story, was the growth in agriculture. Some 83,000 jobs, new jobs, in the 12-month period. And recall, uh, Tolani, this is after years and years of uh, drops hmm. in, in employment in agriculture that started in the 1970s already. But you also lost 66,000 jobs in trade. And I think the, the importance of this one is that it, it also includes retail sector and so on, where consumption, which is the biggest engine of growth in the economy, is involved. So it means that the, the, the biggest engine in terms of growth is not creating jobs. You're right. Um, I think, but I want, to, I want to take the view, at Kolani, that therein lies one of South Africa's problems. In fact, the picture is even worse than you paint in this sense. That if you take the year as a whole, uh, not just the, 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 the first quarter of the year, then you had an even bigger uh, uh, loss of jobs in what is called the trade sector, yeah. which is your retail and so on. But 202,000 you know, jobs were lost. That's right. Year on year. Year on year. But, but here lies the problem. What kind of economy do we create? Will consumption drive most of our job creation in future? And, and in the new growth path and in the work that government has done, we recognize that a lot of the past growth was dependent on uh, something that was not very sustainable, which is the constant growth in consumption spending that is not backed by an expansion in your productive sectors. Shopping malls, retail um, spending was going up, mm-hmm. but factories, uh, the output in factories, mines, and, and agriculture was not growing at the same pace. So you become a more indebted nation. You finance your consumption through greater levels of debt. So what we need is a production-led economic recovery that places the greatest emphasis on manufacturing, mining, agriculture, and productive sectors like the tourism sector. Because therein you create jobs and a steady flow of income that can then support Mm. what you spend in trade. So the picture is, is, is a mixed picture, but we we please that we're creating jobs in what is called the productive sectors of the economy um, but Minister, rather than in retail. But if you look at the exact figures of even those productive sectors of the economy, the picture isn't looking very great because manufacturing year on year, 23,000. Of course, that's against 202 in the trade sector. Mining, 8,000 only. Um, that's year on year. The, the, again, I'm, I'm just saying that Perhaps the effects of policy, including the new growth path, is not being felt in those sectors. Polani, can I just correct the figures that you've given? I think you've quoted the quarter-to-quarter change. If you look at the year, year. year year on year, year, they are manufacturing 31,000, manufacturing, slightly more than just what you had on quarter-on-quarter, mining 29,000 year on year. And agriculture 83,000. Sure. I think, I think we, we, we do accept the point that we've got to grow much more aggressively in manufacturing. 
that's really where the heart of it lies because a strong uh, manufacturing sector is key to long-term job creation, not only because people are employed in manufacturing, but manufacturing also uh, ensures that you have jobs in services and in other industries. Now, what are we doing about that? Let's get to the policy initiatives. Yeah. When this administration took office some four years ago, every minibus taxi uh, in South Africa was imported. Uh, and today, the picture is very different. Two new factories have been opened. They're assembling, factories, uh, they're assembling taxis locally. And by 2015, we expect that two out of every three new minibus taxis would have been assembled in South Africa. Now, to get from where we were to where we are mm -hmm. needed quite a lot of work between the public and the private sector. It meant working with the companies on appropriate uh, conditions to improve investment. So Toyota and a Chinese company called BAW both put money into expanding operations in South Africa to assemble taxis here. Yeah. It meant training people, and the companies have done that now, and it meant ensuring that um, our support services in government uh, complement the efforts of the private sector. Now, we're doing the same thing with buses in the infrastructure program. Until uh, not too long ago, most of our buses were imported. Joburg, uh, when they did the Ria Vaya, their first group of buses were imported from Brazil. Yeah. Uh, earlier this year, in, I think in January, the uh, city of Joburg uh, published new tender conditions that require 80% of the bus body to be locally uh, manufactured. Uh, the city of Cape Town has followed suit, and it's because of a national policy initiative by government that this is happening. Okay. It means in future that we're creating a bus building capacity in South Africa. Let me give the final example at Kolani, which mm -hmm. is trains. With the investment by Metro Rail through Prasa and Transnet in a rail uh, stock, a rolling stock, these are your, your locomotives, your coaches, your wagons, there's an opportunity for South Africa. But we can do it in a clumsy way by importing all of this and simply have uh, commuters and, and goods uh, transported yeah. on foreign-made trains. Or we can build a strong, competitive and dynamic local train manufacturing sector. We're taking the second route. Right. And we've now sold our first uh, set of trains to Mozambique, trains made in South Africa. All right. One of the things that, by the way, you said uh, when you were introducing uh, the policy back in 2010 was that in a number of areas, the document recognizes the challenges of an uncompetitive currency and sets out clear steps for government to address the impact of the rent on the economy and jobs. I'm going to ask you to respond to this. Whether or not um, the, the monetary policy has been able then to respond to the call that you made here. It's 27 after 8. Let me take a break. We'll be back in a minute. Yum, 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 yum. Corruption eats away at your piece of the cake. Yum, 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 One slice at a time. Let's report corruption. SMS the word bribe and your tip off to 45142 or visit corruptionwatch.org.za and use our online reporting tool. SMS costs one rand. This message is brought to you by Corruption Watch. Leonard has a hero. He's been Leonard's hero for a long time. Leonard loves his hero. Leonard's hero is loves somebody. <laughs> Leonard needs a new hero. 
Leonard at PG Glass, our fitters are our heroes. PG Glass fitters are expertly trained to do the job right first time. We even offer a lifetime guarantee on our workmanship. Isn't that awesome? PG Glass, 0860-030303. The Forum at 8 with Kolani Gwala. Lines are open, 0891 We're talking unemployment, we're talking what needs to be done, we're talking also about whether or not policy is responding to the problem. 0891 what are your thoughts? Uh, send me an email, gwala, xlsabc.co.za, and my guest uh, this morning, uh, Minister Ibrahim Patel. I, I mentioned one of the uh, things that you mentioned then, the issue of, of uh, monetary policy. In fact, you went on to say that uh, the, this includes a somewhat looser monetary policy with lower interest rates, greater building of foreign reserve and a sovereign wealth fund in order to manage foreign reserves more actively. I'm just wondering whether the other parts of the state, if you will, have been able to respond. Well, let me start with the currency, the value of our currency. That's an absolutely critical indicator of our long-term competitiveness because when the rand is overvalued, meaning when, as people who colloquially say, when the rand is strong, it makes imports cheaper, so we have more imports and we lose local jobs. And it makes exports more expensive. So our policy direction has been to try to achieve two things, to get a more competitive RAND and to have a stable RAND. You don't want big changes on a daily basis. One day it's up, massively up, the next day it's massively down, because exporters can't plan on that. Mm-hmm. So what have we achieved? When the new growth path was uh, released, uh, I think the RAND was uh, trading in the 6 RAND to 7 RAND band. Yeah. Today, the RAND is about in the 9 RAND, 9 RAND 50 band. Um, Just a year ago, the RAND was about 8 RAND 20 to the dollar. Today, it's about 9 RAND 20, 9 RAND 50 to the dollar in that range. Now, it's in a range where our exports are cheaper. So, we should be able to sell more manufactured goods to the rest of the world. What is critical now is to try to get some stability. If exporters can plan on the long term recognizing that the RAND is likely to stay in this band, uh, then it will do uh, the export effort um, uh, enormous good. The difficulty, of course, is that much of the RAND movements are driven by decisions uh, outside South Africa. We are a relatively small economy. We don't have the enormous reserves that China has, currency reserves. So our ability to influence uh, the value of the RAND is not as uh, great uh, some of the larger economies. Mm, but you did say that there must be a greater building of foreign reserves. And there has been over this period. The Reserve Bank and uh, the governor of the Reserve, Reserve Bank has spoken about this. There has been a fairly active move by the Reserve Bank to create greater buffers to ensure that the level of um, foreign reserves are increased over this period. Okay. I suppose the, ultimately what I'm asking you is whether or not you are happy with the role that the Reserve Bank has played in, in stimulating this economy. I think so. I think what the Reserve Bank's key target has been is to ensure that we uh, do have the necessary monetary policy flexibility. So you see that uh, for a long time now, uh, we've not had an increase in the, in the repo rate. We've, we've had, in fact, a broadly stimulatory policy on uh, the monetary side. Okay. What we now need to do, the critical thing is industrial policy, is to use the tools of active support to specific industries to try to, uh, to increase the size and the competitiveness of those, uh, of those industries. It means addressing productivity issues, skills training issues, but also expanding 
the technology base of the society. Okay. And in each sector, the challenges are slightly different, but it's, it's focusing on these, working quite hard on it, and we've had some good successes uh, some of which I've, I've alluded to earlier. Okay. Minister, uh, I'll have to take some updates, but of course, a couple of calls already on the line. 0891 I'll be taking your SMSs at 34701, 34701, talking uh, matters surrounding employment. How do we deal with the issues of the uh, joblessness in this economy? Ibrahim Patel is the Minister of Economic Development, is in our Pretoria studios. Your thoughts then, 0891 Let's update your news though with The Forum at 8 with Polani Guala. My guest on the program this morning, Ibrahim Patel, Minister of Economic Development. Uh, let me read some emails and go to the lines. Uh, there's Faisal in Mayfair who has sent me an email this morning. He says, well, let me re- remind Minister Ibrahim, who so eloquently states that uh, what the problem in facing our country is, that we elected the ANC to solve unemployment and not merely to tell us what the problem is, something any professor of economics could do as well. That's uh, Faisal in Mayfair. Let me take some calls. Mvusi Episho, good morning. Uh, Thank you very much for your call. Yeah, condolences to the Mbule family and to, to you guys at SFM and SABC. Sure, thanks. Look, I, I, I want to raise two issues with the minister. One is the, the issue of uh, protecting our industry, especially the textile. The second one is, is, is on ensuring that government does not rely too much on procurement. The first one is that we we, we really need to heighten the, 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 the problem South African campaign and ensure that what is in our shops, uh, what is in our stores and everywhere in South Africa is more of what is produced here. We can even say to these uh, 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 manufacturing companies, manufacture it in South Africa, then we'll promote it. Because once we, we allow too much foreign uh, uh, participants in the market, we take our people away. I mean, Dagama in Island is an example. Once you allow China, Dagama closed down. The second issue is, I work in government, Golani, as you know. Yeah. I, I, I see how much we spend through consultants. And I'm asking myself, why don't we introduce a policy that encourages municipality and government departments to rather build their own infrastructure, their own capacity, uh, if it's housing, have contract contractors, engineers, and others, to people that are going to build the items, the items that we want, so that we don't pay too much on consultants. Because what, what if you're building a nine-kilometer road stretch, you pay more when uh, when you outsource it than when you build it yourself. Okay. I want the minister to respond to those. All right, Musi, I thank you very much for your call. Let me go to is it Musi in Limpopo? Musi, good morning. Good morning, Colana. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thanks for your call, sir. Oh, so far. Um, you know, I just need to question the minister. You know, do we, you know, really have, you know, those jobs, the 80, the 83,000 jobs we create in the sector? To me, it doesn't make sense because two months or so, you know, the sector was hit by huge strikes. And then how do you create over 83,000 you know, jobs while, you know, the way huge strikes which um, have hit the industry so badly? Okay. In the agricultural sector? We have evidence of those jobs which oh, okay. they created. Okay. Thank you very much. In the agricultural sector, the minister will respond in a minute. Uh, Richard in Durban, good morning. Tony, uh, good morning. Hi. Welcome, Richard. Okay. And first of all, condolences to all of the staff at SABC on the sad loss of Bravi. Um, he was a, a magnificent uh, tribute to the the organisation. Mm. Um, I would like to just speak to the most. We have a small business here which has won some international awards, amongst other things, and including the South African Girl Standards Design Awards for the product. 
But we're in the aviation sector in the general aviation area, and we are particularly green in the sense that we meet the demand for lead-free um, aviation fuel-competent engines. Uh, we've just been selected to exhibit at the biggest um, uh, expo in the world at uh, Oshkosh in the United States on the Innovation Pavilion. But on a practical side, we are funded at the moment by private investment and the Technology Innovation Agency, which is a Department of Science and Technology initiative. And we are moving into the, the phase where we need to go into production, to ramp production up in the next three to four years to, to get up in the region of 150 to 200 million rands worth of exports in the, in the GA industry. Now, the... Uh, programs that, uh, for example, are in place at the moment, the structural programs, we get some support from the Aviation Industry Support Initiative, which is great, but uh, not a huge amount. Mm. And then when we look into going into the full-on manufacturing, we only have the Enterprise Initiative Program, which gives you a 30% contribution towards your, your growth. But the one which really fits us best is the Manufacturing Competitiveness Enhancement Program. Now, unfortunately, on that particular program, because we have, in fact, sold one or two uh, prototype engines into the market, um, these were not commercial sales, but these were sales in, it affects what is known as the manufacturing value-added element of that. So, effectively, it cuts us out of the most effective program there um, on the basis that we have, uh, prior to the preparation of this program, um, effectively on our balance sheet shown sales. Now, is there any way in which these programs can be dynamically um, monitored and, yeah. and amended as necessary? Because this is what we need. If we could, uh, for example, qualify for MSEP at this stage, we would be able to ratchet up our market penetration by probably a factor of well, at least 100%. Okay. So, you know, we're looking at getting to market twice as fast. So if the minister could address that okay. and indicate if the indications, that would help us a lot. All right, thank Richard, you. I thank you for your call in Durban. Thank you. Let, let's go to the minister, get some responses. By the way, keep calling, 0891 Mvusi, Musi, and Richard Minister. Let me start with Faisal's uh, point oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the email. Um, and, and I think what we're doing, the first part of the program, I think, was to try to analyze what the problem is. Mm. Um, hopefully, we can talk now about what we're doing as a government, and, sure. and it will also go to what the other callers are saying. Aside from, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd say just immediately the kind of things we're dealing with is infrastructure, very big investment, and we spoke about that. The second part is industrial funding, and perhaps Richard uh, from Durban has touched on that. One of the ways in which we're doing this now is through the Industrial Development Corporation. We, we, we're ramping up the level of funding available in the market. We've grown it by some 48% over the last uh, two or so years, and we're seeing a large number of initiatives now driven by IDC funding. Of course, that's part of the recovery in manufacturing, but we need to do more. In order to do more, we need more viable projects coming from the private sector. Ultimately, government can make funding available, but many of the ideas, the initiatives, the uh, insights, the innovation has to come from the private sector. Mm. So to do that, we're increasing our funding and our support for small businesses because that's where we can get South Africans coming into the economy. In the past, we had a multiplicity of institutions. They competed with each other, they were fragmented, uh, and the cost of rendering a service to the public was very, very high. The bureaucracy ate up a very big part of what Parliament voted for. We've now created a more streamlined organization called the Small Enterprise Finance Agency. It's an amalgamation of three previous lending windows, and, and it's now expanding quite actively the support available to small businesses. We've got a skills program, Minister Nzimande is, is leading a drive to move more towards FET college and vocational training.
academic training is important. Uh, getting people to, to get university degrees is important. But we have to expand the artisanal base of the society. And even at university, we've got to improve the number of people going into engineering. Yeah. So our incentives are beginning to, to be adjusted to that. And I think you'll see the intake at FET colleges going up, which is uh, very, very important to long-term growth. Uh, Youth uh, employment is a big issue for us. We've got to bring young people into jobs. That has been one of the biggest, biggest challenges, not just here, but across the world. You will note, Kolani, that The Economist magazine carried a a front-page story uh, two weeks ago Mm -hmm. uh, on global youth unemployment, and it pointed it as uh, one of the biggest challenges in developed and developing countries. So we've now got a youth employment accord, we're putting money, we're putting skills, we're putting initiatives in place in youth, and we hope over the next couple of months to see the first fruits of those efforts. But I mean, sorry to, to, to interrupt that particular point, because ours is, is even worse in a way, because whilst elsewhere the youth may be educated and, and have the skills to get jobs, here we're sitting with something like 3.5 million young people who are the so-called NETTs, not in education, employment or training. These are people who are lurking, just moving around, who... who I just waiting to, to, I suppose, take up their anger. Yes, and they need above all two things, uh, Tolani. The one is they need better skills in many cases. There are a large number of young people who have never completed matric. Matric is almost the, 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 very f- uh, the starting point of economic citizenship. You've got to have at least that. So we're introducing programs of second chance matric. But we're also taking young, young people who've, who've fallen out of the high school system and making it possible for them to enter the vocational training thing. I'd like to talk um, very briefly on, on the Youth Employment Accord uh, before uh, responding to, to the, the comments that callers have made sure. on procurement. Uh, so, so what we're doing now is we want to improve youth entrepreneurship, not to see young people as uh, only employees, but also people who can start their own businesses and employ others. So over the last few weeks, we've made two big announcements that will put together some th- uh, close to three billion rand in funding for youth programs, youth entrepreneurship programs, through CIFA and through the IDC. And we'll do a road show, which I hope um, SAFM may want to cover at some point, uh, to 18 localities in the country over the next 10 months, uh, publicizing these efforts, yeah. uh, showing what is possible, uh, motivating young people to put their hand up and, uh, and in fact start their own businesses. You know, some of the big technological innovations of our age have been driven by young people. Think of so much of the activities on the Internet. Think of Google. Think of Facebook. These are youth-driven, successful businesses that employ large numbers of young people in other parts of the world. South African young people can do the same. And all government can do is to enable, to empower, and to allow that entrepreneurship Right. into the economy. All right, Minister, I'm going to ask you to comment, of course, on what uh, Mvusi and them were saying. For instance, Mvusi is talking about consultants. It's, it's, it's a sore point because some may say it's one of the easiest things to do, cut down on this, get people, say even government. Also, some of the things that you mentioned yourself when you introduced the new growth path that government has got to save. I think so. And I, you know, I share the, the same frustration that Mvusi has raised around the regular use of consultants within the state. It goes to the uh, issue that uh, Minister Manuel raised, that we've got to create 
uh, and strengthen the capabilities of the state. You need a capable state to drive development. And that means we can't get a situation where public servants are employed simply to be able to appoint consultants. We've got to get that work done inside the state. When we developed the uh, National Infrastructure Plan, one of our points of, um, uh, of, of departure was that this was going to be developed by people inside the state. We were not going to use consultants to develop that plan. And to drive and monitor and implement that plan, we're using the capacity within the state. So it's about rebuilding that basic capability within the state. But Mbusi made one other important point, which I'd like to, uh, to, to pick up on, and that is on procurement. Uh, last year we introduced new rules on procurement that allows the state to designate sectors where products can only be bought from South African or from manufacturers in South Africa. And that is helping to, to ensure that we support, among others, the textile industry. Textiles has now been designated as a sector mm. uh, for local support by government. Indeed, the trade union in the textile industry issued a statement not too many months ago saying that uh, employment has stabilized in clothing and textiles after many years of dramatic and very large job losses. Sure. Uh, it's now stabilized. All right, but also on the issue, and by the way, a lot of calls, I'm going to go to them in a minute. On the issue of procurement, it appears as if uh, there are so many loopholes. Corruption mostly is happening in that area, if you listen to what the AG is saying. The, the, that's the Auditor General. Yes, I think there are two problems of corruption. The one is the, the things within the public sector, where public sector officials put uh, tenders and contracts uh, to private companies improperly, and that ultimately, the cost of that is paid by the taxpayer. It has a negative effect on growth. It has a negative effect on job creation. But the other part of this is when private sector companies collude to dish out uh, contracts between themselves at prices much higher than the competitive market rate. Mm. And that is what we call uh, price fixing and uh, cartel activities. We have investigated that in the uh, construction uh, sector sure. because that's important for us in the infrastructure build program. And we've identified 300 cases of irregular and illegal behavior by the private sector in projects that are valued at some 47 billion rand. And uh, Tolani, the 18 construction companies that we've investigated, which includes the top six firms, have all confessed, and they're in discussions now with the competition authorities on settlement. Okay. This is really action that the state is taking. There will be significant fines, and above all, we're going to break down those cartels and the price fixing networks that have cost the, the, the taxpayer so dearly. All right, let's take some, some calls. Mzwandile in Johannesburg, good morning. Uh, good morning, Gwalan. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for your call. And also to the Minister. I'd like to say salam alaikum to the Minister. Also, i uh, also like to send my condolences to the ZBC and to the South African community at large. Sure. Look, Gwalan, more than anything, the, the, the question that I've always asked is that uh, has our government sold us out to the big businesses? Because listening to what the Minister has just said now, uh, before, before the 8.30 news, was mm -hmm. that they are working with uh, 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 corporate companies from, 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 from China and, and, and Japan in terms of car manufacturing. We've just uh, uh, had our, our, our jewel being folded and the government is doing nothing. If you're looking at the industry that we are in, we've got a taxi industry that can produce a lot of, of jobs that, that uh, those people can be able to buy cars from, 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 from us in terms of the government investing in that business. Look at that technology. 
that uh, the electric car. Imagine if you can have half of the of the taxes using that technology. How much will that uh, uh, do? To, to, our, to, to our economy. Mm. And at the end of the day, the government is not investing on that, but they want to go outside and bring all of those people to come and, 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 and let us buy from them rather than us having to buy from ourselves. All right, that's Nzwandile here in Johannesburg. Let's go to Mpumelelo in Cape Town. Hello, Mpumelelo. Hello, Kolan. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for your call, Mpumelelo. Thanks, Kolan. Kolan, you know, uh, employment, you create employment at different scales. You know, I hear the minister, you know, talking about the scale of manufacturing, which is big businesses. But there's also another scale, which is the community level scale. One of the problems we have in this country, you know, with the policy at the moment, is that there are no translational leaders, you know, between um, the policies, the government policies and the people who are at the community or at the community level. If I want to apply, I want to create a co-op, I live in a community, some sky. I want to apply into the jobs fund or the green economy uh, fund. Mm-hmm. I can't do that you know, because there's no translational leadership between me and that police. Kalan, I'm going to make you two examples. These examples, both of them come from the IDC. Mm-hmm. At the moment, you have abattoirs in South Africa that are operating under capacity. They cannot find animals. No, there's a shortage of animals. But in this country, we've got rural people. They've got lots of animals. Those animals, they don't end up in the, in the abattoir. Instead, what the abattoirs do is simply, you know, work with the processors and bring meat, you know, from other countries. If we had the translational leadership, you know, to do this thing, we would be putting the animals which are owned by rural people into our abattoir. That's the first thing. Mm. The second thing, Polani, we have universities in this country, we've got hospitals, we've got prisons. We want to create youth employment. Just imagine, Colin, if we connected the spending of these anchor institutions, which I just mentioned, to creating uh, youth employment in, in the in the agri sector, you know, you, you can grow lettuce in the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. Also, imagine, Colin, if we took the anchor uh, industries like mining and connect them to the labor sending area you'd be able to provide those industries with all the food needs, with all their food needs. But we can't do that because we do not have translational leadership. Okay. Thank you, Colin. Mpumalilai, thank you. Let me read some SMSs and perhaps take one last call. The minister will respond in a minute. Um, there is Tony in Cape Town. The money spent does not include the amount stolen due to incomplete tenders. Tony in Cape Town. Number one says, this administration, which we were told is the one for implementation, has created more policies than both previous administrations in their first five years. No action. That's pure in KZN. Jan in KZN says, there are so many public sector jobs that are a farce. Too many people being paid too much for doing too little. Uh, another one came through from Sia Malusi, who says, uh, We hear the same rhetoric every day from the president and all his ministers. The question is, where are the jobs? Woes are 2014, Sia Voda, that's according to Malusi. Uh, somebody says, Cross-border influx should proceed uncontrolled. That's Jackson Mshangu. Uh, union leaders should now be more responsible in trying to prevent unprotected strikes by inference job losses examples 4,000 jobs in Marikana uh, that also is another SMS Miss um, uh, London MBSA currently on wildcat strike not about wages but about unpalatable human relations lastly union leaders represent the employed not the unemployed that's not Benigazi M Tata um, these are just some of the SMS's let me quickly hear from Yaj in Cape Town Yaj good morning uh, 
Uh, morning, Falani. Hi. Uh, morning is the minister. Yeah. Uh, the minister is making some very commendable noises, and you know, we'd like to applaud him for that. But I, I've, in my opinion, I don't think they are sufficient to tackle the scale of the problems we are facing. And the one issue is talking about savings and all of that and financing. We need a public banking system in this country to generate savings locally, to provide the credit for small local producers and for the green economy. And that is not IDC or Development Bank. We're talking about deposit-taking banks, which provide loans, which provide interest to savers, and uh, needs to be established throughout the country. And uh, this is the only way we can generate our own capital locally. And furthermore, any infrastructure, massive infrastructure spend should be funded from the reserve bank interest fee rather than going to the bond market or taking loans from the IMF or whoever. Okay. And the last thing I would like to say is people need basic income. The majority of people are too poor to even look for work. They are starving, and we need to provide a basic income to raise the purchasing power of people locally. And yes. lastly, there's tax avoidance on a massive scale. We need to stop taxing income and VAT, but look at a transaction tax, a levy on all financial transactions. All right. Thank you very much, Yaj. Thanks indeed. Uh, he's got a point, though, about those people who, who do not even have money to go look for jobs, because if you include them, uh, then we have about 6.9 million people who are unemployed in this country, Minister. Yes, indeed. Let, let me uh, start with the question raised by Mpumalelo from, uh, I think, uh, Cape Town. Oh, Cape Town. Yeah. Um, what he calls translational leadership, I would, I would call uh, ineffective communication by the state on the facilities that are available. So what we've done a small business, because he, he, he referred, I think, validly to issues of industrial funding, whether it's through the IDC, the small business agencies. We've said to them, clean, clean your operations, ensure that there's enough money on the balance sheet to be able to significantly expand lending, and then take that to communities. Make it possible for ordinary South Africans to understand the facilities that government has available. And I think we're ready to, to run that on scale now. It took us a year to get the merger of the different agencies together, but we've already doubled the amount of money that approved for lending. And I'd like to give Mpumalelo a, a positive story, uh, taking up his, his, his challenge that we've got to do more in areas like abattoirs. The IDC has now worked with a, a cooperative in the free state, uh, in the chicken farming area, uh, and uh, through industrial funding for that initiative for the hatcheries and for the, the, the entire value chain in chicken production, we expect a thousand new jobs will be created. Many of these jobs will be for small operators who contribute to the, um, the cooperative. Mm. But there is a, a point that has come up uh, earlier from Zwandile from Joburg, um, and uh, he asked the question, why do we partner with uh, foreign investors from Japan, from China, on the taxi industry? And it comes down ultimately to this. Uh, it requires the technology and the know-how, but it also needs that the operations be commercially viable. We indeed, the state, uh, provided solid and quite substantial support mm. to a prototype electric car in South Africa called the Jewel. In the end, the support that we rendered was not sufficient to make that car viable so that Polani and Zwandile would buy that car at a price that they felt was worth. Mm. So ultimately, our support can't overcome the fact that there's got to be commercial merit 
in initiatives like this. They've got to be sustainable in the long term. Uh, one of the callers asked the question, where are the jobs? Yeah. And I'd invite uh, 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 SAFM perhaps to do a on-site uh, broadcast at Kusile near to Witbank in Mpumalanga, where you have some uh, 12,000 people employed at the moment, and we expect uh, that a further 3,000 people will be employed okay. over the next two years or so. So there are very successful examples of jobs being created. And your final issue around that he has raised from, from Cape Town, uh, I, I think it's, a, it's an important point about the state, uh, a state bank. And we've taken the first steps now. Uh, we're seeking to get the public.